Hello everybody and welcome to This Game Where with me Ashley and Chris. Hello. You right, Ashley? Yes. Very, feeling very businessy. Yes. Like business-like, just get down to business. Efficient. Right, should we go straight for it then? Yeah. No preamble. No preamble. Apart from this what preamble. Apart from this preamble about the preamble. This preamble about preamble. Yeah. yeah. Mm. This week we've This Game Where... You take on the guise of a mystical ninja, not that one, and you journey to the Okami Castle, oh. all the while, or on your journey, having to battle against evil ninja warriors. When you get to the ninja castle, sorry, Okami Castle, you have to destroy their leader, Gyokuro. I've probably said that very wrong. And the objective of the game is to rescue a princess, <clears throat> which sounds familiar. No, no, no idea. Are you sure? Yeah. Is it Shinobi? No, it's not. Mm. No, but it's it shares similarities with Shinobi in the sense that this is a, a Sega game. No. It came before Shinobi. Is it Three Ninjas? Is that a game I've made up? No, that's not a game you made up. That's a game based on the film Three Ninjas. Right, okay. So I had a moment to, <laughs> I had a moment to self-doubt um, when I said that. No, that's definitely a film and a game. Uh, or several games, actually. Lots and lots of versions of that. It's The Ninja. There you go. You of course, guess. Clues was in what you said, wasn't it? Do you know The Ninja? The Ninja. Yeah. The most unimaginative game title ever. I suppose it does what it says in the tin, doesn't it? It does. I want yeah. a game about a ninja. I... What, what can I play? How about The Ninja? Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was released in 1985, right slap bang in the middle of the 80s, as uh, under a different name. It's called Ninja Princess which is slightly more descriptive. Well, did you play a ninja princess? The, yeah, you played a ninja princess. Ah, okay. That's which is pretty cool, isn't it? It's my interest a bit more, yeah. So in 1985, it released in the arcades. It was the System 1, Sega System 1, which is one of the arcade boards that they ran in right, okay. in the 80s. And it looked really nice. And it was called Ninja Princess in Japan. And I think in the Americas, it was called Sega Ninja. Right. But let's stick with Ninja Princess. Yeah, it's getting confusing. So it's got three different names already. And we're, we're, what, we're, we're four minutes in, just, just under. In 1985, it was Sega Princess. Uh, later on, it then released for the Sega Mass System. And that's when it became the Ninja. Okay. At least for us. And I think the Americans. It differed also in a few ways. It was, for all intents and purposes, a port of the arcade game Ninja Princess. But they changed the main character for what reason, I do not know, to a man in the Mass System version. So you went from being a book-kicking Sega Ninja Princess to being a man who looks a little bit like Aladdin, to be honest. Throwing ninja stars, killing the ninjas. Generic Muck Arabia. Yeah, it went went from being proto-Beyonce to being Joe Bloggs. Yeah, my interest wanes now. Andy down the street. Well, it shouldn't, because actually the game is pretty good, although I haven't played it since about, probably about 1993. My interest has only waned because I think the idea of having a game where it has got a, a female lead that is that... Like say book kicking and what have you. I think that's really yeah, good. In nineteen eighty five. I don't know whether it did exist and we just don't didn't know about it or whether it was happening so little. I mean, we sh- in twenty twenty, looking back at nineteen eighty five, we we're probably being no no I was gonna say probably being unfair to nineteen eighty five, but I think the stereotypes of the eighties are true, aren't they? Mm, Everyone was hundred percent coped up to their up to their eyeballs yep. and Everyone sex crazed. Yep, that's definitely my and parents. The women were in the in the kitchen, and the men were on the dance floor. <laughs> the men were on the <laughs> dance floor. 
<laughs> is that not the 80s? I, I think you're, you're muddling things up there, maybe. <laughs> what, with the 60s and the 70s? The I, men were definitely on the dance floor in the 70s. I thought they just continued I thought you were going to say that the, the, the women were in the kitchen, the men were in the front room or something, and then suddenly this metaphorical house has got a dance floor. <laughs> no, they're not in the house. They're, you know, down the club. <laughs> Probably, probably having an extra marital affair because that was the eighties as well. You think of John Travolta they're, in Saturday Night Fever? Well, that's the seventies. Yeah, that's exactly. what I was alluding to. They just continued on, <laughs> on into the eighties, right. dancing the night away, didn't they? And then what was the nineties? Night Fever, then? Night Fever, the nineties. Everyone was on the dance floor in the nineties, right. weren't they? Better women. They were. They were on acid. Yeah, of course. House rave. Yeah, exa- exactly. There you go. Right. So you do know. Okay. So that was that was the way that women moved forward in the nineties, wasn't it? In in the sixties they bent their bras and they moved forward, slightly more comfortable. And then the nineties was the next big movement forward and that was when they got onto the dance floors with the men. And then the Spice Girls. Came Am I out. wrong? Am I wrong in this? Um, and then the Spice Girls, exactly. I think we should make it clear that we're being heavy ironic at this point before we get dismissed as You think do you think that needs to be made clear? I, I think it needs to be made explicitly clear that we are being very <laughs> tongue in cheek here and and we at this game wear endorse all genders. <laughs> Endorse all the genders. Yeah, they they all get a thumbs up from us. Okay, good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. As you know, I'm sure everybody knew. You didn't need your My uh, being a snowflake. Assertion. To say it. Well, no, it's not. No, no, it's not that. It's you. You get very worried, don't you, that people won't get the humour. I, I know. Just, I just sorry. want people to like us. That's all I want. It's a lot easier when we're in the same room and I can rub your temples. And and keep you calm. Yeah, give put it my a, hand through your hair. Give it a saucer of milk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right. Uh, buy you some crisps. <laughs> get you on the dance floor. Yeah, oh no. Where you feel most at home. Right. So, <laughs> this game you had it on the master system. No, I no. didn't have it, but I did have a master system. So you know, put those two things together. I didn't own this game. I went round to someone's house, and I hesitate to say a friend because he wasn't really. He was an acquaintance. Okay. And actually, I'm not going to name him, which, if you know me, you will know is a little bit strange. But I lived in a, in Lincoln, and I lived in an area of Lincoln that was a little bit rough, up to the age of eight years old. And one of the people that lived in my street, who owned a Sega Mass system, who owned this game, he is now one of the most notorious criminals in in Lincoln. Oh. Or was. Um, he might be in prison at the moment, therefore won't necessarily be in Lincoln, although, you know, he might be in Lincoln prison. I, I don't know. Wow. I don't keep up with his, his antics, but a, I do know that much. That was a bolt from the blue. I wasn't expecting that little twist. Mm. Well, neither was I when I was sat around his house playing Ninja, although I probably should have been. So you I probably should have been expecting it. You said acquaintance rather than friends, so was the writing on the wall even at that early age? Yeah, we definitely weren't close people. Like, we definitely ran in different circles. He was older than me, and he was a little bit scary. Although, there was a hierarchy on our street. He definitely was not part of the bullies in our street. He was like... I actually think I got on with him pretty well. Right. But then he's... It, it turns out he's a big old criminal. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, he was on the way then. So, but he did have he did have a Sega Mass system, and he did yeah. let me play it. So, so you know, just kind of put that to one side, and it swings and roundabouts. You know, you can be a criminal and a good person. Let me put that out there. Did you, Jean Valjean? Jean Valjean stole a loaf of bread because his sister and his niece were starving. Does that make him a criminal? Does that make him a bad person? 
I don't know. Oh, I don't know. But I think that the person that I'm talking about did some pretty heinous crimes. More so than still a loaf of bread. Yeah. I don't know the nature of them and I'm not going to speculate. Did he steal a loaf of might. heroin? I don't know what he did and I'm not going to I'm not going to speculate. <laughs> okay. As as my lawyer has advised. <laughs> okay. But it, everything that I've said is true. Honestly, everything that I've said is true. So what did you and him chat about while you were sat playing this ninja game? I have no idea. I, honestly, I, I think I told you it, way back in a previous episode... There was another family that lived in our street and I used to go around and play Mega Drive at their house. And one of the major draws when I was sort of mm, four to five to six, probably probably up to about 18, <laughs> if I'm honest, was for friends, was what different consoles they had and how willing they were to let me play them. Yeah, it sounds fair. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so he was definitely on the list. Okay. But I never went so far as to call him a friend. But he had Ninja. So right. I had to call him something because that allowed me in the door. Yeah, your, your foot in the door. Yeah, exactly. And once I got the foot in the door, I was allowed to play this game. He was the only person that I knew that had this game as well, which is quite strange because I think it was quite a popular one. Everything about this game that I've tried to find out is quite strange, actually, because there's not very much information about it. So what have you found out then? Well, as I told you, it's a remake or a, or a port of the game Prin- uh, Ninja Princess where they made the inexplicable uh, decision to change the main character into a man mm-hmm. um it was as in the guise of ninja princess it was one of the first run and gun games so the genre run and gun people might know the game commando which was released sort of mid 80s as well and commando is often given the accolade of being the first run and gun game but actually ninja princess came out in the arcades before commando about two months before in fact so it may well have sparked off a whole genre just pause there, um, Egghead. What's run and gun? Right. So a run and gun is, if you think, you know what a twin stick shooter is? Yes. So a twin stick shooter is a game where you, because we have the analog sticks on the on the console, on the controllers now, you can move with the left stick and you fire in a certain, in any direction with the right stick. A run and gun is like a proto twin stick shooter, as far as I would understand it. Okay. So a run and gun means that you are moving in all directions. And you can also fire in all directions. Does that make sense? Yes. So it could be, you could sort of compare with a shoot-em-up, which would be... The only shoot-em-up that comes to mind when I say that is a game called Zenon 2, which was also on the Master System, which right. nobody will have played. No. But I owned. <laughs> okay. It was one of those, it was one of those like barking basement games that I think we probably got bought at one point. But anyway, yeah. So a, a shoot-em-up is a game like... I can't think of any now. <laughs> Fantasy Zone. Fantasy yeah. Zone. Yeah, yeah so game, Fantasy yeah. Zone. So Fantasy Zone is a 'em up and a shoot 'em up tends to be either moving up the screen or across the screen. Right. And you tend to only be able to shoot in the direction that you're moving. But you might get a power up that allows you to shoot backwards or diagonally. Yeah. But generally you move in one direction and you shoot in one direction. Whereas a run and gun will allow you to have a bit of control over where you're shooting. So is it top down then? Sense? Right, so run and guns aren't always top down, but this one is top down and actually it makes really good use of its angles of its camera angles and it changes over over the course of the game as well so at one point at the beginning of the game it is top down it's looking down at the character and you're moving up the screen you'll see it's really quite cool actually as i remember it um and then at another point in the game a point that i never actually got to when i was a kid but have since seen okay. in sort of youtube videos or whatever you're moving across the screen and you know you know like in lion king you have that moment where 
you're running at the screen of Simba and the wildebeest mm-hmm. chasing after you. Well, this game has a level where you are moving right to left and there are horses running left to right and you have to dodge in between the horses as you go. Right. And that's a pretty cool level. Yeah, sounds good. And this is on the master yeah. system. Yeah, this is on the master yeah. system. I think it was 86 or 87. I think a late, yeah, 86, I think. Let me let me put my balls on the block oh. and say, is that not what? I don't want to hear. Let me put, no. No, let me... Let, let you not. Let me stick my neck out. Let me nail... What's that one? Let me nail my... Flag to the mast. Balls to the wall. <laughs> let me... <laughs> so let me stick my neck out and put a date to it. So, you are. Um, it was 1986. It released in 1986 on the Sega Mass system. And It sounds more interesting than the picture I had in mind from what you first described it as. I was expecting a very generic platform game, like Shinobi-esque when you talked about ninjas and so on, but now it's top down, you know, a running gun, which is a, a name I've never encountered before. I'm I'm quite intrigued. Yeah, it's definitely closer to um any shoot 'em up that you might have played. You'll have played running guns as well, like Metal Slug. Nope, never played it. Nope. No. Metal Slug's like a platforming run and gun type affair. It's actually funny. You you probably like it. I remember um, Metal Slug coming out it was on PlayStation, wasn't it? Because the characters are quite um, it was in the arcades and... first. Me- Metal Slug is more army based. You you end up you you like in a big two footed mech like type mech thing. thing yeah, but yeah. it's very but very army men style mm-hmm. graphics. Yeah, if that makes sense, one. maybe you are. I don't know. Like I said, it is good, uh, and I remember it being good, and I'm hoping that it's as good as it was then. And it was a game because of my tenuous affiliation with the person that owned it. It was a game that I. I only played a handful of times, but it made a very, very big impression on me to such an extent that I'm talking about it to mm. you now. Is there anything that particularly stands out from the game, particular level or moment? The music's great. The music really works to set a sense of being in feudal Japan <laughs> as far as mass system bleeps and bloops can. Um, <laughs> it certainly had more of a, an impact on me than a lot of the games that I owned. Their soundtracks weren't nearly as effective or affecting and the gameplay itself it was unlike anything that i'd played up to that point okay and i you know i played more games than maybe the average five-year-old or however old i was at the time so the other thing to say the other thing that they changed is in the home version in the port version they added these scrolls that weren't in the arcade version so Collect- this sounds frustrating collectibles yeah In order to unlock the final level, you had to collect these five particular scrolls throughout the game. And if you got to the final level and you hadn't collected these scrolls, then you weren't allowed in the final level. And it warped you back to the closest point at which the scroll, the first scroll that you hadn't collected was. And then made you go through the game again. Now, it was never a problem for me that because I was never good enough at the (laughs) game to get to the final level. So it didn't matter that as far as I was concerned at the time. But it sounds bad. Well, I thought you were going to say that you were denied access and that was it, you got to that point and it said, no, that's it. Or you, you're going to have to then replay the whole game again. But at least it's warping you to a point that it's fairly accessible. But even so, that does seem excessively barrier-creating just for the sake yeah. of making the game longer. Yes, that's exactly it. It, yeah. was, it was a padder. It was a way to 
force you through the game again. It sounds extremely frustrating. Are the scrolls difficult to find or are they fair? No idea because I, I didn't play the game knowing that scrolls existed for me right. to find. So I, I said that it was difficult to find information on, on this game. One of the things that's really difficult to find that I wasn't able to find is a credits list. Oh. There isn't, I don't even think there's one in the game, which is odd. Oh. And the only person that I could find that was credited anywhere was on Wikipedia. And that was uh, one of the artists for the game. I don't know if she was the singular artist, but she's worked on a lot of very high profile games since this was the second game that she made. So what's the team that made it then? Like even the developers, do you not know that? No idea. No idea. Couldn't find it. Yeah, I know. Mm. Very bizarre. Do you want to have a little go? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm quite forward to trying this. Yeah. My uh, left thumb is sufficiently bleeding now from playing that game, Ashley. It wasn't that bad. Oh, it's the the D pad, painful. What do you mean? Having to have you got have you got a D pad made of sharpened glass? Oh yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, it's. Uh, is it looking yeah. a bit sharp? Yeah, but it, it was. I yeah, I know what you're getting at because I said to you about how this game, this the game uses all eight directions, which sounds you know mad that i'm mentioning that but it really makes use of them yes and it does. you f- you feel quite nimble because of it i would say i don't know if you agree definitely but the problem with that was that this game was on the mass system and the mass system was fairly notorious for having a terrible d-pad which i'm sure we must have discussed at one point in the future in the past when we've previously talked about the mass system but if you manipulated the mass system d-pad in the wrong way or just used it a little bit too much for playing those games it would break because it was just held in by these tiny, 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 thin, brittle little bits of plastic. And the whole plastic frontage would come out and you'd be left with the grey rubber pads on each of the four buttons that were under the D-pad. And it made it all but impossible to move in in diagonal directions. You were really just left with the orthogonals. Nice. Good good word. I wasn't aware of wasn't. Oh. (laughs) Orthogonals? Yeah. Oh, What's that mean? Okay. It means moving not diagonal, so left, right, up and down. Oh, there you go. Let's or today. north, south, or east and west. But you definitely needed to, like you say, use those eight directions in this game. Uh, I started yeah. off not moving like that and found it incredibly difficult. And then once I figured out you needed to do that, was consistently moving in diagonals. And uh, yeah, my thumb hurts as a result of that. But oh. the game itself, very enjoyable. Yeah, surprisingly so. I, I genuinely was expecting that I'd misremembered how good this was. I'm going to rephrase it. I'm going to say very playable because it was incredibly difficult, wasn't it? And that was where the enjoyment started dipping for me. Fair enough. I found that the the way that it was set up was actually quite forward thinking because if you think about the the changes that have been made in modern games and the way that they punish or don't is is more operative really in this situation modern games have ceased to punish you too hard for dying yeah and yes this game had it well you only had three level three lives to get through the game was that right yeah it was because yeah so three I lives was, uh, before i figured out using diagonal uh, i was dying before uh, the second wave of enemies wasn't i 
Yeah, yeah, but so was I. So was I. Okay, um, right. So don't feel too bad about that. So you had three lives, and that made it difficult. But for the most part, it was very easy to get back into the game. Yeah, was there was very little downtime in the game, and for me, that meant that it felt far more playable than than a lot of mm. other games that that it would have called contemporaries. From the game over screen, when I had been killed to the point at which I lost all my three lives to being go to the start screen and then back into the game was about seven seconds i'd say yeah it was ridiculously it was, fast yeah and that's even with having to load up a map screen as well before actually starting the game like without that mm. you'd be straight in even quicker it was very fluid yeah so it did that right you said at one point about it having been an arcade game a lot of games that translate over or, or that ported over from the arcade into household consoles they lose some of that arcadiness in translation and i think that this game kept hold of pretty much all of it. It felt mm. extremely arcadey, and the fact that it was very quick on the uptake was part of that because it meant that you were getting your your twenty p yeah, in the machine quicker, didn't it? So those seven seconds and the way you got better at the game, the more you played it, I can see it would then be a, a drain on those twenty p's. You'd be shoving more into having another go at it, wouldn't you? To to carry on playing it, it was quite clear that I was improving at the game over yes. the the course of the time that we played it, which frankly wasn't that long. But it was a case of dying on the first enemy on the first go to dying on the uh, third, fourth and fifth enemies on the next few goes to getting through a level on the 20th go or whatever. And you were really racking through those. Mm. You were really racking through those goes as well. So you feel the progression. You feel like you're getting better and you are. You're getting a little bit further each time. You're learning a little bit more about enemy placement and where you need yeah. to be on the screen and and so yeah it would be easy to say well this 20p will be the 20p where i get it and it almost feels like whereas like an arcade game like the simpsons that just had these arbitrary punishing arbitrarily punishing moments where yes, it felt all but impossible to avoid this game felt like it was very much built on iterative learning mm-hmm. so knowing what you need to know by just going through the exercise and going uh, and having the experience of it and also upping your skill ever so slightly each time um it felt fair is is what i'm saying i think the quick play was good for that because if you were at the end of your third life you die straight back into it but you've at that point got the skills to then get to a point the point you're at much quicker i'm just yeah. comparing it just in my head i'm still dipping into what the golf and i was playing earlier on today there's a series of levels based on super meat boy all right so you can draw a little character that's and it's the the phrasing whatever it's obviously a reference to that and there's a level you had to do it's got these two swords and you had to do it in 11 or fewer shots and the amount of time so i was just one more go, just one more go because as soon as you fail it you're straight back into it at the start of, of, of the level Mm. And I was reminded of that playing through this because because of that, just the, the speed of it. Yeah, Super Meat Boy is actually, a, you know, off the back of, of that, Super Meat Boy is actually a really good example of a game that does that um, right. Like the downtime between deaths is zero, really. Yeah, and straight into they it, actually, it. Yeah, they make a feature of that as well in Super Meat Boy where you can yeah. watch all of your attempts and then you watch you watch the moment where a single attempt is successful it's it's really rewarding mm. um they've they've made the the death the moment of death a reward in itself um once you actually succeed so that that's really cool and it it, it kind of feels like a step up from where we are with the ninja in 1985 yeah 
um, because they were just trying to minimize the pain of death, if that makes sense. Um, presumably for your 20p's. Absolutely. Although I never saw it. I don't even, I'm saying 20p's. I don't know whether it came out here. So I don't think it did come out it's here. I think it came out in America and Japan. Okay, 25 cents then in America. Yeah, that, what, what would it have been in Japan? Is it 100 yen? Something like that, yeah. Mm. Definitely yen is the currency. <laughs> I've, no, I've no idea what I don't the, know how many go in an arcade machine. Yeah, <laughs> Neither exactly. do I. I've, ne- I've never been to Japan. No, so. me neither. Was it as good as you remember? Was it better than you remember it being? Well, it was It was so much better than I remember. It was, it was exactly what I thought it was. But I had convinced myself that this was going to be one of those episodes where I tell you how much I enjoyed it, but actually we went back and it wasn't the game that I remembered. But it was. It was the game that I remembered completely. And I was better at it than I used to be as well. <laughs> so uh, that was nice. So I got to the I... second level. Yeah, which I didn't. Oh, no, which I did I once, that... didn't I? And then got killed yeah. straight away. I know it doesn't sound very far, but it really is. <laughs> you said you watched it, a playthrough on YouTube. How many levels are there no, in total? No, I, I, I haven't seen a playthrough on YouTube. I um, saw that there was a playthrough, on, uh, a playthrough on YouTube, and it was 13 minutes. Right. So, so again, we're back in that realm of... Uh, it's the same sort of iterative gameplay that we were talking about. Yeah. The game isn't so much the set of levels in the order that they've been set down. The game is the learning process and the iteration on on previous attempts. Mm. That's the game. The same as it was with the Gremlins. So Gremlins, if you remember, Gremlins 2, sorry, uh, on the NES, there was a playthrough of that in half an hour. And I'm sure people could have done that in far quicker times than that, probably. But for somebody that is new to the game, half an hour is for the birds. Like, you're never going to do it in half an hour. The whole point of that game was that you learn over time and you learn learn from failure. Which actually... In the grand scheme of games, I often find myself trying to talk to people about how beneficial games are. And I know I don't need to talk to you about that. But one of the things that I think games teaches you is a tolerance for failure mm. and a and an understanding of actually the benefits that failure can provide you with. You know, like failure isn't the end of the end of things in games. Failure is often just a part of the process. Resilience, towards it? success yeah it teaches you resilience uh, and it t- teaches you resilience on top of that as well yeah apart from that met game on the was it playstation 2 the one that deleted your save if you were killed in it do you remember that no i don't remember that particular one but i've heard of there are games as well and i can't remember the names of those either but there are some games where it only allows you to play it once and it will what? put a register never that. you never heard of that i no. can't there was it, that's definitely um, more than one game that way as well. It puts a registry entry in your reg in in your registry, right? So that you can't even load the game up again. What possible benefit is that? The permanence of death. God. Yeah, this this one that came out. What <laughs> was the name know. of the What was the name of the company that developed Metal Gear Solid? Was it Konami? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was them, I'm sure. And it was this, and it came with this controller that was, I think, it's about hundred pounds. It was this enormous like replica. So now you're saying about the controller? I remember yeah. the Mac game with massive controller yeah and that was the game where if you died in it that it, it wipes you safe because it wipes was safe. well yeah which okay. i always thought was unnecessary I, especially after dropping 100 pounds on the game as well for the controller that you can't use in any other games it just seems uh seems yeah cruel. so i mean it's a few weeks ago since we recorded the rimworld episode a few months even um since we recorded the rimworld episode and i don't know if you remember in the rimworld episode i talked to you about how one of my characters 
died in a mining incident where yeah. there was a cave in and it squashed him and it pushed his it, brains out of the back of his head. It scarred it you. It hugely took me by surprise. And there was a moment where I, I almost immediately, in fact, I almost immediately went to lo- reload my save. And there was a moment of self-awareness where I went, well, that is not in the spirit of this game. Yeah. This game wants me to live with the consequences of what, of, of the choices I make and, and the things that happen in the game. This game is about the stories. And if I reload now, then I am thwarting all of that. And mm. maybe I should just live with the devastation that I've brought upon myself and, and my characters. So I, I kind of do understand the idea. Like it gives everything so much more meaning in the game if you can't go back and undo it by reloading your save or go back and try again by loading your save so when i played through max Payne, i was saving every like two or three steps or something i was terrible at that game but i really enjoyed playing it so i was saving mm. every i say two or three steps forward because and then if i failed which i i, I did a lot so i could then just reload and then i knew where the enemies were going to come out from and I, I could preempt them coming out so i kind of cheated my way through that game but that was just i really wanted to play it but was i think it depends on why you're playing it doesn't it so why were you playing max Payne? Just because it was it was a game that lots of people have raved about, lots of people have raved about, and I just wanted to try it. And it was it was the gameplay was really fun, the plot was amazing, the atmosphere is brilliant. It was all those things together, but it just I wasn't very good at right. it. So to me, it sounds like you were playing that game for the experience and the story. Yeah, I agree so with you that. wanted to feel the sensations that the game gave you, and it, you wanted to hear the story unfold. Hmm. And I, in that instance, I'd say that it's completely okay to do what you were saying you were doing. I think that it's not against the spirit of the reason you entered into that that game. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I may feel better because I felt bad about that. Did you? Yeah, I did. Well, I, I think, you know, you, you shouldn't feel bad about anything like that. It's quite silly. If you were doing that in other games, then it might not feel within the spirit of the game. So RimWorld is my perfect example as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. If you're playing RimWorld and you are save, saving strategically, taking a risk, and then undoing the aftermath of that risk, if you if it's not in your best interests, well, yes, you might end up with lots and lots of resources in the game, and you might end up the like rich within the game's world. But you, you're doing yourself out of something that's far more rewarding and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I've had a few times Animal Crossing where I've done something or something's happened or I've lost a, an item and then thought, oh, I'll claim my save. But then exactly like you said, I thought, well, actually, no, because... so for example, Clear your save. Reload my save. So, for example, if I use a tool and it breaks, it's like it's, it's a faff to go and get the materials to make a new one. You know, it's just easy just to reload the save. But then at some point it's going to break again. So Do, well you, just... reload, do you reload your save? No, I've never done it. It's, it's crossed my right. mind, but I've... Right, well, I don't think you can. Because it saves constantly in the background, I'm yeah. guessing. So yeah, so one of the things that one of the things that you missed out on not playing the pre-Switch versions of uh, of Animal Crossing is a man called Mr. Resetti. I don't know if we talked about him <laughs> in one of our two episodes, but there was a man called Mr. Resetti. He was a mole. And if you went out of your game, if you left your game without saving your game, then Mr. Resetti would turn up the next day, next time you went on, and he would chastise you for doing that. And uh, there was some kind of punishment. I can't remember what it was, but you it was very difficult to get around the 
inability to leave the game without saving. Okay. And Mr. Resetty would find you and deal with you. But the, this version of the game, I doubt you'd be able to do that unless you did the like come offline yeah, and exactly. it's time warping and all that. I'm sure you can do it, but it sounds probably more of a faff than it's worth. But why were we talking about that? I'll be honest, I have absolutely no idea. I can't remember at all. Neither can I. Shari, before we wrap up, uh, just looking at my notes, the only thing I wanted to talk about was something that we noticed during the Sonic Spinball episode, um, mm. the last time we looked at Master System games, was the genre in the top corner. So I noticed in the top left corner of various Master System games, it has a little badge that says action or adventurer or what have you. And yeah. the fact that straight around the box you're being told what genre it is, which I think is... In some ways, I quite like because it, you know, the game just wastes in the tin. But in some ways, I think it's quite restrictive. And then also games that maybe don't fit into one genre snugly or even mm. on their own genre. Like you've mentioned, Run and Gun today, which is a genre I've never heard of before. You know, mm. what, what would that be classified as? And the box art for this doesn't have that in, which I thought was quite interesting as well. Yeah, well, this is a fairly early game in the grand scheme of Sega Master System as well, isn't it? So it's, um, it started on the in the arcades on the system one and then it was on the sg 1000 and then it moved on to the mass system in 1986 so we're we're still fairly early on in this new wave of mm. home consoles we're still early on in the uh in the mass systems relative lifespan and we what we do have with this box with this game box is the return of that graph paper style which so many people hate but I really love or the the early mass system games they had the, as their box art they had like a like a hand drawn cartoony mm. stylized version of of what the game was so uh, the last time we came upon this it was Alex Kidd mm. and it had like a stylized version of Alex Kidd with his big fist pumping out in front of him and in this it was just like a stylized cartoony style ninja yeah, ninja but Bro, super super was the actual proper game art with the checked square paper yeah. above and below yeah i those notes that's actually all right it was really what what you had with sonic spinball which was a later uh, a, a game that was released later in the uh so lifespan of the mass system 94 was mm. it really yeah so Bloody, nine years after that's this one, really though. late yeah yeah um, so what you had with that was full-fledged, full-on. Mm. It was complex in comparison to what you got for early Mass System games. And that is what I liked about those early Mass System boxes, the simplicity of it. Boiled, boiled the game down to just, here is what it is. Yeah. yeah. And also the fact that it, re- it related directly to the imaginative process that resulted in the game and showed you in a, I think, in a creative way that games are... A, a creation a, a thing that is made constructed even because it was on graph paper it was a graph paper yeah, yeah. design i i really i really like it i just really like those boxes it's almost the elevator pitch isn't it here's, here's the game summed yeah, up for you yes absolutely yeah. yeah yeah if you like a ninja if ninjas are your thing then this game might be for you pick up the box and read the blurb on the back that's I mean, what it- that if you like ninjas and you saw a game called the ninja you'd probably think oh actually yeah that's for me but yeah if you can't probably. read Maybe True. you could uh, yeah. picture. I'm a massive fan of Mass System game boxes. The the early ones like this. And I'm yet to hear anyone give me a conclusive reason as to why I shouldn't be or why they're crap. The game, as I said, was a bit of a mystery going into this research-wise. I wasn't able to find very mm. much out. Um, but I'm hoping that 
having played it, you are a slight convert to this game. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I like you. Yeah, I really liked it. And good. Now that I know this genre, running gun, it would be something I'd be interested in trying out again. Right. Okay. That's that's interesting. That's yeah. good to know. That is good to know. There might be others coming up. This is definitely the first run and gun game that I played. So there's that. Um, in terms of recommendations, I don't know who who I'd recommend this to. Yeah, it's. I think the difficulty for me would put me off recommending it wholeheartedly to people. It's yeah. again, it's one for aficionados, isn't it? One for people who are interested in the master system, people interested in this type of game, possibly. But I think beyond that, it's a bit too obtuse, isn't it? Possibly, possibly. A bit too far out of the... Uh, off the beaten track. Or unless you like ninjas or 1600s Japan, then yeah, maybe worth... Was it 1600s? You read the you read the crawl text at the beginning a lot better than I did. I I can't remember any of it. Akami, that's all I remember. No, it, was, it was blah, blah, blah exposition, blah, 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 as yeah. far as I could tell. But it did it. Oh, yeah, it the, did. the last thing, last thing I'll tell you, if it if we haven't already, if it hadn't already been sold to you uh, by now, the color of the screen. I told you this when you were playing. The color of the screen for the crawl text is actually the same color that is used for the Alex Kid in Miracle World title screen. I don't know why they did that. I was just going to say, was that deliberate or? On top of that, as well, you have you have the Emaki scroll unroll to show you the the whole game that that whole that map is the whole game you right. work your way up the map which is similar as well to the way that alex kid in miracle world presents its yeah um map as well and shows you moving around the map so yeah there are a couple of links to alex kid so if you like alex kid uh, maybe boot it up and have a little look i don't know that's where they end though that's where the comparisons end yeah, definitely. I'm still really interested to know who made this game. The fact that we can only find, or you can only find, one artist. I mean, obviously there must be loads more people than that. It's the fact that we can't even find the name of the, the team that made it. Yeah, I I have no idea. And the game, as I say, the game, I don't think the game tells you either. It doesn't tell you at the beginning. So I was hoping we'd get to the end. We'd suddenly be amazing at it and get to the end and see the credits. But uh, Well, I've checked not the end. Be. I've checked for the end credits and they aren't there. They just say you finish the game and then boot you back to the title screen. Yeah, it literally oh. says the end, and then you're back to the title screen. So what a mystery! That seems like a fitting way for us to end. <laughs> it does. So if you have enjoyed this episode, please do come and find us on social media. That has the added benefit of meaning that you don't miss any of the podcast episodes. But we do also do other things on there as well so we are available on facebook youtube instagram and twitter and probably some others that we're not aware of i don't know are there any others are there any other social medias is that just all the social media tiktok we're not on there but we'll let you know when we are what could we do on tiktok just for i think you could do about games yeah you could do like dances to sega mass system my wife is dreams. really into there's a, a natural history museum i think it's in new zealand where different uh, departments put up different videos on TikTok about different animals, and there's this one guy who looks like a quokka, and this one guy <laughs> puts up uh, videos of himself showing these these animals, and then he tells this really cheesy, laboured dad joke about the animal, but he just he's so smiley all the time. Like he was mm. one showed me last night, it was about a snail who um, has a bioluminescent light under its chin, chin, you know, in that part of its body that the under its got. snail chin, yeah, yeah, snail chin. Um, 
and his joke was uh, about how oh there was a snail whose bioluminescent bulb fell off and he was really happy about it what was he delighted yeah and he just tells his joke he's just so smiley and you're I'm glad he's animals. smiley and he sounds uh, like a he sounds like he's got dad jokes so problems. I'd recommend that but uh, maybe you know we need to have a think about TikTok as being a potential market to move into for not for America obviously but for other countries we could uh, move into TikTok maybe maybe maybe